Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. Good morning, good morning, every, uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning, friends. Buenos dias. Uh, it's a joy to uh, worship uh, the Lord with you today. I'm enjoying this day. Uh, for those that don't know me, uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm the director of Spanish Ministries here at Jacob's Well. I'm excited to bring the word to you this morning. Uh, we'll be, we are going to be uh, studying back to, uh, we're going back to this uh, series in Mark. So we'll be in chapter 12 today. So if you could open your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, we will be reading verses 1 to, through 12. This is the word of the Lord, Mark 12, verses 1 to 12. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the winepress and built a tower and listed to the tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, so they beat, some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son, finally he sent him to them, saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people. For they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. Please pray with me. Father, we pray now this morning. First give you... All the praise because you are good and your faithful love endures forever. We ask now that you uh, open our hearts and eyes to see you in these words of scriptures. We pray that you, you uh, make our hearts submit to your authority. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today we are going back to the series of uh, Gospel of Mark. Our passage come right after Jesus' uh, triumphal entry. And after he cleanses the temple and taking the money changers uh, out. And uh, uh, this passage is full of drama and suspense. Um, the religious leaders challenge Jesus' authority in the previous passages. And before our, our passage today, and they ask him a question. They say, um, by what authority are you doing this? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus says to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they, their answer was, we don't know. They didn't want to answer. They didn't want to acknowledge his authority. To this group is the one who Jesus is telling them this parable, to the religious leaders. So this parable is about a man who plants a vineyard. This man is a good man. Even though he does a good job, he becomes the victim of his employees. He is disrespected, he's robbed, and he loses what he loves the most. What happens to the owner here in this parable is not fair. It's evil. He did good, and it was given, they gave him bad in return. So first, the first thing I want us to see is the marvelous goodness of God. And we see that on verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 starts saying that he began to speak to them in parables. He told them a parable, a short story that has eternal meaning. This parable is about a wealthy landlord who owned large pieces of land, which he leased to tenant farmers. Uh, the tenants agreed to cultivate the land and care for the vineyard when the, Lord, uh, when the landlord was, was away. The men of this parable planted the vineyard, doing everything necessary to make it productive. The vineyard was given the necessary equipment. He put a fence to protect it. He also built a tower to serve as a watch post, a shelter for the workers, and also as a storage. The care of this vineyard was a great concern for, for the owner. A portion of the, the earnings of the crop, crop earnings was to be paid as rent. And at harvest time, the owner sent his servants to collect the rent. The first two verses shows the goodness and generosity of this man. He equipped the vineyard with everything that was necessary um, for them to, to work and make a, a profitable life. The owner gave them a job, trusted them with his vineyard, allowed them to live a good life. He protected them by building this tower. He provided the necessary equipment and tools. Um, let me, let me share a story for those who don't know. I, it, it, this passage reminded me when we first, as family, came to Green Bay. When Jacobs hired me as the director, uh, of course they gave me the job, but Pastor Dan also made sure that I had a place to live. He helped me find a place to live. And, and not only that, but Pastor Spencer made sure, and also with so many others, of course, Pastor Spencer made sure that when we arrived with the moving truck that 
a team that were there ready to unload the truck. And not only that, he made sure that we had coffee and donuts that night. Uh, this is the goodness of God. This, these are good men. You are a good man. This is a good man. This is a good owner. He's done a good job. The owner of the vineyard represents God. Psalm 118 says, All give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Sometimes we fail to give thanks to the Lord. We fail to see his goodness and his blessings. We complain in our struggles. We grow weary of doing good. And we take it for granted that we uh, have all his blessings. We believe the lie that God is not fair. This takes us to the, the second thing I, wanna, I want us to see. The marvelous love of God. We see that on verses 3, 3 to 9. Verse 3 says, And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. This is the first servant. Again, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and they killed, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat, some they killed. He has still one other, a beloved son. He sent him to them. At this point, the people that are here in this parable, these religious leaders, are saying, this is a bad idea. What, what is the owner thinking? He's, they are killing the servants, and now he wants to send the son? Why does he, what, what is he thinking? Well, this, this is what he's thinking. He's thinking, they will respect my son. But those tenants said, verse 7, this is the heir. This is our chance. Let's kill him. And everything will be ours. The inheritance will be ours. So that's what they did. They took him and killed him. So the first one came back empty-handed. The second one, uh, it was beat and humiliated. Uh, the evilness of this is increasing. Uh, the owner doesn't send the police. The owner sends another servant and another servant and another servant, giving them another chance and another chance and another chance. Remember the passage on Isaiah 55 that says, God is not like us. His ways are not our ways. His compassion is greater than our compassion. Our patience is so much different than his patience. And he's doing this with compassion, with patience, giving them another chance. But they disrespecting these servants. The evil increased, the beating, the shame, the death. Um, verse 6, there's still one more servant, one more, that the owner can send to collect the earnings, his son. But he's not going to send the son. Uh, no way, don't send the son. We're thinking that in our minds, don't, don't take the son. Maybe the people that are listening to this parable is saying, don't, don't send the son. It's the worst plan. But... Also, he's the only son. It's not like a, a, a son you want to get rid of, right? Yeah, it's not like a family of 10 or a big number. We say, oh, we, we could spare one 
bonito, ¿ok? No, this is the only one. And this is the greater. And, and this is the heir. This is the only one. Don't send it. Well, he sent him, the only son, the beloved. He sent him. And he's thinking they will respect him. Uh, they, they will see that he has the authority because he's my son, he's the heir. They will submit. Uh, the owner thinks and assumes that by sending someone of higher rank, as opposed to servants, the tenants' farmers might be more submissive. They will respect him. They will surely acknowledge their, their higher status. But the opposite happened, we read. The higher workers said to themselves, let's kill him. Everything will be ours. So that's what they did. They killed him and they threw the body out of the vineyard. Well, the first couple of servants were just servants, workers. But this is, this is family. And I don't know, but you don't mess with family, right? It's like, it's his family. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Because they have evil hearts. They want to keep the vineyard. They want to take control. Uh, by the way, these people are going to realize that Jesus is talking to them. So if you feel I'm talking to you, you are correct. This parable is for you. Why are they doing this? Because they want to keep the vineyard. They want to take control. They want to be their own God. They don't want to depend on nobody. They want to have a life, but without God. They want to live for themselves. And an old belief centuries ago was that the, uh, the, the sun revolved going around the earth. And that was a mistake. The earth revolves around the sun. Sometimes we think that God revolves around our lives, and it's, it's the opposite. We revolve around him. We know that we fear and honor God when we put him in the center of our lives. Instead of giving thanks to the Lord for he is good and because his faithful love endures forever, the Bible says that we turn our backs to his son like these higher workers. Let me tell you an illustration uh, uh, on a, that happened uh, sometime in the past. There was, a, there was a kid's party, and they had a bouncy house. So there, there's kids jumping inside, and, but they're wrestling, which is okay. And, but one of the parents is watching his kid closely, and he's losing the wrestling match. He's losing the wrestling match. He's in the bottom, and the other kid is in top, and, and the dad doesn't like that. <laughs> So he goes inside the bouncy house, he grabs the other kid by the arm and speaks to him loudly. Maybe some of you are like this, that jumping inside the bouncy house. But this is what, what the owner is feeling. They're they doing this to my son, they, they're killing my son. Imagine that. Uh, unbelievable. It's unacceptable. It's, it's evil. Now we come to verse 9, uh, and we'll be able to see a marvelous plan of God. This plan of God. The main question of this passage is verse 9. What 
will the owner of the vineyard do? What will he do? What will God do when he comes back? What will the owner of the vineyard do? We have the answer there, verse 9. He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Well, in the um, parallel account in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, we have a more detailed answer. And this is on chapter 21, 41. You don't need to go there, but it's on Matthew. I'm going to read it to you. It says, the religious leaders reply, he, be, he will put the wicked man to a horrible death and lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop for each harvest. Later on verse 43 says, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces and it falls and when he falls on anyone, it will crush him. That's what he will do when he comes. Now, let me quiz uh, the children and the youth, the teenagers that are here, the kids. Let's see if they remember this passage. The passage I'm going to tell you the first part of the passage, and you have to aloud say the other part. I want you to participate. Only kids and teens and youths. This, the passage goes like this. This is the day the Lord Okay, help from the parents. This is the day the Lord Uh-huh. Yes, yes. Some of us need to teach our children more. <laughs> oh, I'm safe because my children are not here. Good. It's safe. Okay. Well, this, this quote, this passage, this famous popular passage comes right, right after our passage. Right after our passage is from, one, um, from Psalm 118, where it says on verse 20 of us, have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord doing, and then it's marvelous in our eyes, right? So the false teachers... The scribes, the, the religious leaders in this moment are rejecting the cornerstone. They, they are rejecting Jesus' authority. And by doing that, they are fulfilling the prophecy of Psalm 118. This is an illustration of, of workers using stones. And they see these stones to build and they say... This is, this is not good. This is a bad one. This is wrong, unworthy, uh, not genuine, does not meet the qualifications. This Savior, Jesus, not me, throw it away. That's what they do. The, the stone is the Son, Jesus Christ. They are rejecting the stone, and the stone becomes the chief cornerstone. Let's... Pause for a moment and let's see who is who in this parable. Who, are, who is representing who? The man, um, the owner of the vineyard represents God the Father. The vineyard is the people of Israel, the people of God. The tenants are the religious leaders of the day. 
The servants are the faithful prophets of the Old Testament who Jesus sent again and again. And the Son, of course, of course is Christ, Jesus, uh, the Son of God. Is this marvelous in your eyes? This question is for you. Is this marvelous in your eyes? Or is just a, another thing you hear? Isn't this marvelous? The stone that was rejected by the religious leaders is the Son of God who is our salvation. God has prepared a great vineyard for us. Are we going to honor the owner? Are we going to be thankful to what he has entrusted entrusted to us with? Are we going to reject his authority over our lives? Are we going to fail to see his goodness and love? Are we going to work hard in the ministry that we are part of? Let me remind you of this story of David when we, he sinned uh, with Bathsheba. He committed this sin, and, then, and Nathan, the prophet, comes and rebukes him, right? And the way he rebukes him is by telling him a story, a parable, just like the one we're saying today, a parable. And he tells David, uh, and this is on 2 Samuel 12, and I'm just going to kind of like tell you in, in my own words, the, the parable, instead of reading it to you. So Nathan tells them, you know, there, there was a man who, uh, and who, was, who had a lamp, and it was his only lamp. He cared for this lamp as a daughter. But there was, there was this other man who was rich and had a lot of, you know, uh, lambs and sheep, a lot. And, and then someone comes to visit, and the rich man grabs the one from the poor man, and kills it and gives it to his guest. Instead of killing one of the, his own, he had a lot. He kills this one who the man appreciated a lot. David is angry. And let me, this part I read, verse 5. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man and said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the land fourfold. Because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Well, I want you to participate today. What did Nathan say to David? You are that man. You are the man. So you are the evil one. You're the one that did this. It's almost the same. It's happening. The same thing is happening in our parable today. They're listening. And Jesus is saying to them, you are these evil tenants who killed the prophets and who are getting ready to kill me. You are the ones. It's the same thing that is happening, but there's something different. The response, David's response was, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned. What was the religious leader's response? Let's look at verse 12. And they were seeking to arrest him. They want to arrest him. They're not going to tolerate that. They're not going to tolerate that. They, they don't want to give him the power. 
They're not going to submit. So question for you is, how are you going to respond to God's calling in your life? How are you going to respond to his authority? Are you going to submit to the Son? Are you going to love the Son, Jesus, and do good works to bring glory to him in everything you do? Are you going to submit to him even when you don't feel like it? Now, if you feel this is for you, it is for you. Don't feel bad. Uh, Second Chronicles uh, 36 talks about uh, how God keeps sending the prophets. Let me read you this uh, reference. It says, Second Chronicles 36 says, The Lord God sent persistently to them messengers because he had compassion on his people. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets. Until the wrath of the Lord rose against his people, till there was no remedy. Elijah, uh, complaining prayer, reads, The people of Israel has forgotten or forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and slain the prophets with the sword. These religious leaders want to arrest them, but they don't do it. Why? Because they fear in the crowd. To people conscience, fearing, fearing social ramifications, afraid of causing a rebellion. They're fearing the crowd. What will they think of us? They will, they will go against us. Sometimes we fear the people too much in our lives also. What will they think of us if we do this and if we do that? But the reality is that we have to choose to either fear men or fear God. The good thing about fearing God is that if you fear God with reverence, fear, you don't fear anything else. But if you don't fear God, there's a lot of stuff you're going to be afraid of. Now, also uh, the meaning of this, the meaning of the parables normally is hidden to the, uh, the listeners. Because God, Jesus wanted to sometimes hide the truth from those who are against them. Those who have a hardened heart. But this one they get. This parable brings the hearers to pass judgment on themselves. They understood this parable. And we also understand this parable. This parable was for them. This parable is also for us. Are we going to be good stewards and respect the sun? Or are we going to try to take control and make it about us? Or about what we think is more convenient to us? Their, their place of these religious leaders, their place and power, their prestige will come later soon to an end. And the position... Uh, of leadership will be given to the apostles. They wanted to arrest him. They wanted to take control over him. They, have, they wanted to take power over him. They wanted to be above him, to get the upper hand, to rule over him. And they, they couldn't do it at that time, so they leave and prepare for later. A couple concluding, concluding thoughts, bringing this all together. 
So this vineyard uh, owner sent his son, thinking they were going to respect him. He didn't think they were going to kill his son. He said, perhaps, perhaps they will respect him. So he took the risk. Our heavenly father sent his son, but he knew what they would do. He said, they will not respect my son, but I still am going to send him. And the son said, yes, father, they won't respect me. They will beat me up. They will strike me in the head. They will kill me. They will try to keep my inheritance. I still want to go. Please send me. Forgive them for they don't know what they do. This is our Savior. This has to be marvelous in your eyes. This was the Lord's doing. And the faith that we have is his doing. Are we going to respect and love the son and share his inheritance? Or are we going to try to, try to take control over the vineyard that he has been entrusted to us? He is the cornerstone. In this passage, we saw three things. First, we saw the marvelous goodness of God. The owner provided a vineyard, just as the Lord provides all that we need. He provided a ministry and a church and works to be done by us. Providing us, he provided what we need to live and what we needed to know our Savior. He provided Savior and Redeemer. We also saw the marvelous love of God. God knew that his son was going to be crucified, and he still sent him. He loved us so much that he sent his beloved son. And lastly, we saw the marvelous plan of God. The son was killed, but was resurrected, and now it's raining. It's so marvelous that the stone that was rejected by many has now become the chief cornerstone of our salvation. Please pray with me. Let's close in prayer. Father, you have become our salvation, our chief cornerstone. What you did, your plan was a marvelous thing, and it is a marvelous thing in our eyes. We, we, we give thanks to you, Lord, because you are good and your faithful love endures forever. You are God and we praise you. You are our God and we praise you. Amen.